I just, I just feel the need to pray again. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for that breath that you've placed in our lungs. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you that um, regardless of, of size or, or of service, Lord, that uh, wherever two or three are gathered, as Pastor Jacob mentioned, you're there. And, and God, I thank you for your presence, for it really is what we need in our times of need. And uh, may we never take it for granted, Lord, but always be thankful that you've never left our side, but you're always with us. I ask that as we get into this message tonight, Lord, that our hearts would be open to receive what you would have us to hear tonight, that we would truly hear a word from you. Uh, God, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts would be wholly pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, well, first I just want to say thanks to Colton because, you know, I just, I don't know about you, but so many times when he plays, I just feel like you get into that spirit of worship and there's just something about it. So I just, I want to say thank you publicly and um, I, I hope you've enjoyed this discipleship series over the past uh, three weeks, concluding tonight. I hope it's been transformative. I hope it has helped you kind of decide, all right, what steps or directions do I need to go to really enhance my discipleship with Christ? Um, if it's something simple as, you know what, I need to spend more time in the Word, I hope it's encouraged you to take that step in spending more time in the Word. If it's volunteering at the coffee shop, hey, and you've done that, that is wonderful. I, I pray that that would be fruitful for you and that you would find more opportunities to do so. Uh, whatever capacity you have felt led to make a step in a direction of further service for Christ, I hope and pray that this has helped you with that decision making and that you are in a place right now where you want more. You just, you, you really want to dive in deep. Well, tonight, as we kind of conclude, as we've gone over these, these past four weeks, I want you to see that discipleship really, it results in a changed life. You know, it goes from not simply wanting to be a disciple most of the days of your life. I mean, we all have difficult weeks. We all have struggles throughout our work day. But it goes beyond being wanting to be a disciple most days and allowing yourself to be transformed into a disciple every day. It's hard because so many times we don't want to expose ourselves to other people, or especially to God. We're afraid that he's going to see something that maybe he won't like and that we won't be able to serve because he says, you're not worthy. But when it really comes down to it, God wants more of us each and every single day. He wants us to, to open ourselves up to his, pur his purposes, his presence, and his power. And as we've gone through this series, it's really made me think, in what ways have I limited the work of Christ in my life because I'm not willing to expose myself? And Pastor Jacob last week was talking about having this insatiable desire to follow God, just striving after him daily. It's something that I've taken to heart because, you know what, this past week it has been chaos. Lindsay and I are moving into a new house. All of our stuff is in our new house right now, and the house isn't ready. We are living in a house where workers are literally finishing our house. It is chaos. It is crazy. I haven't really wanted to give a lot of myself over to Christ. I've just wanted to focus on the tasks and get those through and finished. And Lindsay reminds me every day, whose decision was it to move? Well, I hear you, honey. But when it comes down to it, I know this is the right move, the right direction, the right place and step and direction that God is calling us to. But when it comes down to it, I don't oftentimes want to open myself up to more of Christ, to more of discipleship, because I just want to focus on the needs that are present in front of me. 
And you know, when the disciples, as we've gone through the book of Matthew, uh, followed Jesus, they ran into situations where they didn't really want to give all of themselves over to Christ. And as they did, they were used in ways that maybe they really didn't want to be used. And one of the the best stories I, I found in the Gospel of Matthew is when Peter asked Jesus a simple question. And Peter, I love Peter because you know what? That dude is not afraid to speak his mind. So many times I, I, I think I mock Peter, but secretly I'm like, yeah, I would do the same thing. In Matthew 19:27, Peter asks a question, what will you give us, Lord? We've given up everything to follow you. What am I going to get out of it? Whoa. Did you ever watch Blossom back in the day? It's like Joey saying, whoa. I mean, really? Why would you ask that, Peter? We've given you everything of ourselves. What are we going to get out of return? And Jesus responds, you know what? I'm going to be on the throne and the 12 of you disciples, you're going to be on your thrones judging the tribes of Israel. But as he concludes that little chapter, he says, many who seem to be important now will be the least important then. Can you imagine Peter's reaction? What? Are you kidding me? I've given so much myself to you and, and I may be important now, but I'm not going to be less important then. Now, I really think what Jesus is getting at here is that God rewards people, and it's a reminder, according to his justice. You know, in the Old Testament, many times obedience, well, it brought reward. It was clear to see the reward that God had given them. But reward is not always linked to immediate results. So as disciples, our reward is the power and the presence of God that lives through our lives that lives inside of us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Reward, that'll come later. Presence comes now. And our thinking must change from having those immediate results and blessings to just shouting hallelujah. Praise the Lord Almighty. Thank God he has given his spirit to us that dwells inside of us because when he does that, the devil's running. One of my favorite songs right now is a, is a song by Hillsong. And the lyrics simply say, not today. And I just want to share a few of those lyrics. It says, trouble won't throw me. It won't break me. Won't scare me. No more. Fear must have thought I was faithless when it came for my heart. Because I got a song that will never die. I know your love is the reason why. I'll sing the night into the morning. I'll sing the fear into your presence. I'll sing my soul into your presence. Whenever I say your name, let the devil know not today. Let the devil know not today. And you know what? Having that understanding that his spirit has been placed inside of us, that we have that power, that we have that presence, that should change our behavior completely. That should take us from, you know, wanting to be intentional, from wanting to give ourselves over to Christ some days of the week to always wanting to give our lives over to Christ every day of the week because his power and his presence can dwell inside of us. And when we have that power and presence inside of us, it can take us to greater lengths in discipleship than we ever thought were possible. I have a question for you. Think of someone in your life who is no longer here. Think of someone in your life that was really important to you, someone that you cared for deeply, someone that you loved tremendously is no longer on this earth. Do you remember what they said to you before they passed? Do you remember maybe what their, their last bit of you know, uh, encouragement was? When I was in college, it was my freshman year, 
my grandma had moved into a nursing home. And I loved it because she went from the hospital to the nursing home. There was no fight. But when she was in the nursing home, we'd ask her, Grandma, how do you like it? And she said, oh, it's okay. There's just a lot of old people here. I was like, oh, Grandma. Anyway, she liked the nursing home enough, but you know, as her health was declining, she had this congestive heart failure. And I got a phone call one day while I was in class, and they said, you need to come to the nursing home. Grandma's not going to make it much longer. And so I went up to the professor and I said, you know, I have to leave my grandma's passing away. And then I, I wasn't really with it. I didn't really understand the fact that she was passing away. I was just kind of mute about the whole thing. And when I got to the nursing home, I knelt down beside of her bed. She grabbed my hand, it was frail as it could be, and said, I'm going to tell grandpa all about you. And that was the last thing my grandma said to me. And it just meant the world to me. My grandfather was a United Methodist minister for years. One church he pastored was also here in Baltimore. It's actually down the street. And, you know, he didn't have a lot of money. He didn't really get a lot out of it as far as reward, financially, or, or by status. But he gave his heart to it, and he just loved ministry. It was the one thing in his life he sometimes would put above family, or at least it would seem that way. And... It was something that he had always hoped one of his grandchildren would get into one day. Well, being what I've been as I would have been his only grandson, I went into ministry, and my mom says, oh, if Grandpa would have known, he would have just loved it. But to hear, you know, I'm going to tell Grandpa all about you, that, that just meant the world because that meant she was proud of me. She was excited for where my life was going, and she had this hope, this belief that if you commit your life to Christ, you'll receive that reward in the end. You'll be able to see your loved ones. You'll be able to just be face-to-face -face with God out of this mortal body that holds us back all the time. And it meant so much to me because at that point in time in college, I was kind of confused as to where God was leading me. I feel like a lot of people in college go through that. Like, okay, you know, I, want, I believe I'm supposed to be a youth minister, so I'm going to go into youth ministry. And then it's hard, and it's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And then some, ugh, there were some that were like, I'm going to be a theologian. I am going to be a theologian. I'm going to be the next John Stott. Uh, I'm going to be the next Charles Spurgeon. I'm going to write all these great documents. And they get into seminary and like, what? no, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. I don't want to read this much. I have a life, thank you. Sometimes those were the thoughts I had in my head. But you know what? Nonetheless, she had that hope. She had that, that belief that my reward is coming. It's going to be able to see God face to face. And I'm going to see my husband. And I always asked her, Grandma, why didn't you remarry? She said, why remarry once you've had the best? I was like, oh, I love that. She did say that she almost married somebody else, but anyway. <laughs> I love that she said that because you know what? She said, I I'm holding on to this hope that I've given my life to Christ. I've committed to a Christian marriage. I just think we're going to be together forever. It was lovey-dovey, you know, but I loved it. And it gave me hope. And, and greater still, you know, it, it made me believe that God has the ability to bring us out of everything. He does. And I love the fact that whatever those last words were to you, whatever that, that story was to you where you remember that encouragement, you remember that love, you remember just that time you shared before that special person in your life passed away. Imagine what the disciples thought when Jesus was giving his last words on this earth. 
You know, that's one of the things that, that I always tend to forget. You know, we've read the Great Commission hundreds and hundreds of times. If you are a Christian, if you've gone to church your whole life, I'm sure you've heard this all the time. And I'm sure you've heard the Great Commission specifically around missions Sundays. But what if we looked at it instead of being a mission Sunday type of text and started looking at it as this is God's last command when he was in earthly form on this earth. This was God's last, you know, love letter to us before he left this earth. What if we looked at it in that fashion? Well, the story goes, if you have your Bibles, it's Matthew 28. We're going to go from 16 to 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them still doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. You know, a changed life it really should change our behavior. And what is behavior? It's the way that one acts or conducts themselves, especially towards others. So a changed life changes behavior. A disciple is living a life in a behavior that is different than what they were before. Say, my behavior is different. My behavior is different. Like, right, let's say that together. My behavior is different. My behavior's different. I know, it's kind of, it was intimate, and it's, you know, like, eh, it's a little nerve-wracking, but no, really, my behavior is different. That, as we are disciples, it should naturally become different. It should be different in the way that we relate to one another. It should be different in the way that we relate to unbelievers. It should be different in the way that we see the purpose behind our lives. You know, and one of the best parts of the Great Commission, we have to realize all power and authority has been given over to Jesus Christ. So really, when it comes down to it, what is there to fear? What do we have to be afraid of when it comes to going out into this world and making disciples? What do we have to fear when it comes to sharing our faith? And I'm not talking about social media sharing of faith. I'm talking about speaking with your coworkers about who Jesus is in your life, talking to strangers about who Jesus is. You know, one of the things that I love right now is the people that are doing the work on our house, not really Christians, not really believers. And when I walked in, I forgot my belt. We had to go back in the house. And the guy doing the floors, he's like, hey, that's a fancy shirt. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it, Brent. And he said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm going to go, uh, go preach now. And he said, oh, oh, okay. Well, say a prayer for me. I love that. When you read somebody who's not a believer and they find out you're a believer, do you ever get that? Oh, oh, oh pray for me. <laughs> okay, all right, Brent, I'll pray for you. What can I pray about? He's like, oh, I got some stuff going on in my life. Okay. And I made him a pot of coffee before we left. And he's like, oh, thanks. But the thing that I love, he, he's... It's changing my behavior towards him because I feel like we're getting to the point now where Christians are, are less uh, judgmental towards other people, where Christians are getting to that point where they're more willing to share their faith because, or, or less tendency to judge other people. Because when it comes down to it, we're not as fearful as we once were that, you know what, if I'm hanging around this guy who smokes, they're going to think I'm a smoker. If I'm hanging around this person that goes to a bar, they're going to think I'm a drunk. 
into, you know what, we're human beings. <laughs> we're, we are, we're people. Why can't we share our faith with other people? Dietrich Bonhoeffer had a great quote. He says, action springs not from thought, but a readiness for responsibility. It's our responsibility to change our behavior. And, and remember, Jesus' command was to engage the world, not the church. Jesus' Jesus's command was to go as you're going, as you're in the direction of wherever you're going, engage with other people, not just other disciples. Engage with other people, not just other Christians. Engage with other people, not just those who dress like you or in the same socio or economic status. As you are going in your direction, understand that you're going to meet people that need my love. You're going to meet people that need my spirit. You're going to meet people that need my direction. So as you're in the world, engage the world. Teach them by the way that you live your life. Spring not from a readiness, but a responsibility to do the things that Christ has called us to do, to live out the life that he has encouraged us to live. Because if we do so, we realize that it's going to take us from, you know what, today I feel like I'm going to be this, this good disciple and share Jesus with other people. It, it starts to become our intention. Discipleship changes our intention. You know, as we live our lives, we're going away from, you know, having this old direction, but having a new purpose, having a new direction. I mean, one of the best parts of Christianity is the fact that we are called to be reconcilers. You know, it's, it's a concept of this directed attention. I want to bring other people to Jesus because I want them to experience that reconciliation that I have experienced myself. Who doesn't love a good love story? I mean, even Jacob likes the notebook. I mean, who doesn't like a good love? I'm serious. We've had a conversation about that. And, you know, I love him for that because, yeah, I mean, it, it's a good movie. I may have teared up the first time, but... You know, who doesn't love reconciliation? Who doesn't love seeing two soulmates come back together? Because here's the thing. It's not just the notebooks, not those two souls coming together. It's a soul formed by God coming back to God. How great is that? How great is it's, it's not that, you know, we're reconciling the world to ourselves because we, hey, you know what, Pastor so-and-so, they saved me when I was a... a an unbeliever. No, it's not about that. We don't want the fame. We don't want the glory. We want the reconciliation. You know, the world is tearing itself apart. The world is just at each other's throats. Throw in a Colin Kaepernick ad and people go crazy. Either you support it or you don't. Are you kidding me? And then you have all these memes out there of people, oh yeah, if you don't support it, then you're like this person from um, Parks and Recreation. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. They're killing each other out there. Who in the right mind thinks that's okay? We can't allow the world to continue to do this to each other because reconciliation is what God has called us to. Restored relationship is what God has called us to. And if we have experienced it, if we have felt that transformative love in our lives, why in the world don't we want to share with other people that are desperately in need of God's love? And you know, one of the things that, a concept that just keeps hitting my mind is the fact that, you know, my enemies on this earth, the people that I can't stand, those coworkers that just drive me nuts, one of which is here, 
Those people, I just, you know, they make me kooky. What if that's the person that God is calling me to, to show love, compassion, his characteristics, his traits? What if that's the one person he's having me be Christ-like to so that that person can be reconciled to God? What if my neighbor who puts stakes in her yard because she wants to separate our lawns, what if I'm supposed to help lead her to Christ? I, I, you know, there are times I can't stand her. I just want to mow an inch over. Uh, but I don't want the fight, so I'm, I'm a peacemaker, not a, an angry maker. But when it comes down to it, what if that's the person that you are called to display Christ to? What if that's the person that as you are on your way, as you are going, make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all the commandments I have taught you? Man, that stinks sometimes. I mean, let's face it. Doesn't that stink? I don't always want to observe the commandments that God has taught me. I really don't, but when it comes down to it, it's who I'm called to be. It's changing my behavior, and it's changing my intention because I understand that God is calling me to a greater purpose. Say, I want to be a reconciler. I want to be a reconciler because that is the intention. It's to reconcile the world back to God. And then ultimately, it'll change our disposition. A disposition, you know, it's a tendency to act in a certain manner under a given circumstance. Wouldn't you love to have your Christian on every single part of the day? I mean, wouldn't you just love to be that one Christian? Wow, did you see what happened to them over there? They kept it together. Yeah, that Christian, they're, they're a good Christian. It changes our disposition. And how does it do that? We just have to live it out. Really, our disposition changes when we follow the commands of God. What areas of your life can you really maybe follow the commands of God better? Loving your neighbor as yourself. I mean, how did Jesus sum up the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How many times a day do you need to remember, I need to love the Lord my God with all my heart and my mind? (laughs) Mind, that's one of the hardest ones. My heart isn't really into our relationship today, God. What about our soul? I mean, really, what are, are we loving God with all of our soul every day? What about our strength? Man, what about our strength? Have you ever heard somebody serve in a Christian capacity and say, oh, I'm just wiped out. I've given everything I can to ministry. This is just too much. What if we believe that God had the ability to give us that rejuvenating strength to, to get back up and go again? heart, mind, soul, and strength. So how do we achieve that? Look at Jesus' life on this earth. You know, we sometimes may think he should have had an attitude of superiority. I mean, think about it. Jesus should have demanded to be served and obeyed. He should have had cherubim singing, seraphim swinging, coming down the pearly gates through a golden staircase. Stairway to heaven didn't have anything on him. That's how Jesus should have come to earth. But how did he come to earth? He came through the back door in a manger, in a gross, disgusting place. I mean, really, I know some hospitals can be gross, but try being born in a disgusting pit. (laughs) You know, he submitted to his purpose on this earth. And you know, instead of him having that superiority complex, we see him carrying an attitude of thankfulness 
We see Jesus carrying an attitude of submission. We see Jesus carrying this attitude of even obedience. I mean, he obeyed his parents. Now, do you ever get this? We believe Jesus is also God, right? He was fully God, fully man while he was on this earth. Jesus obeyed his parents, and as God, he created his parents. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That's a one-upmanship on your parents, wouldn't it be? You know, when I was forming you in your mother's womb, I didn't believe you would tell me to go to my room if I didn't pick up my, my mess. I mean, really? How crazy is that? I formed you in your mother's womb. I knit you in your mother's womb. I knew you. I loved you. I had a purpose for you. But you're going to submit to these people that you formed? He submitted to his purpose on this earth even though he could have changed it. Man, when he was praying the prayer in the garden, can you imagine what would have happened if he said, okay, I can't do it. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm not going to go through with this. Where would you and I be today? But he didn't. He went through with it. He respected authority even though he placed those people there in that position of authority. You know, he deserved to have that attitude of superiority. But he chose the one of servanthood. Jesus went beyond what was deserved and expected, and he chose to have an attitude of humility. In what ways can we go and, and, and live life thinking we deserve better? In what ways do we live life, even as Christians, saying, you know what, God, I deserve more blessing because I've given X amount of hours to you this week, and I'm tired. In what ways do we get that superiority complex? Is that really who Christ has called us to? Being a disciple, remember, it changes your behavior. It changes your intention. It changes your disposition because you're following through with the commandments of God, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you know what? It's not always easy, but sometimes the attitudes, the behaviors, and the things that are the most difficult to live out to bring peace on this earth have the most reward and we're never going to see it. And, and I had this thought, maybe, just maybe, how, how did Jesus close the Great Commission? And lo, I'm with you to the very end of the age. Could it be so many times in this Christian walk we don't remember that God's presence is there with us because we're not walking in step with his commands, that we're not making disciples, that, that we're choosing to do other things than give our lives fully to Christ. Maybe, just maybe, that's why we don't feel his presence around us all the time because we're too busy going our own direction. But what a wonderful God to know that wherever we go, whatever we do, God is always with us. Whatever our service for the kingdom looks like, now or in the future. What a blessing to know that wherever it is we, he's taking us, he is with us and he's faithful to see us through. I mean, has God ever really failed us before? I mean, we sing the songs. We sort of believe in him. I mean, you know, I don't believe it's just all the music or Colton's voice. I really think deep down sometimes we sing them because we believe it. But do we do it every day? So, as we conclude this series, 
as a disciple, are, are you ready to take that next step? Are you ready to get more engaged in your service for the kingdom? Are you ready to read your Bible more? Are you ready to pray more? Are you ready to look for more opportunities to serve him even when you're tired after a work day? Are you looking for the opportunity to really share him with your coworkers, with your, your neighbors? Are you willing to be that person that has changed their behavior, that's changed their intention, that's changed their disposition? If you're ready for that today, if you're ready to take that next step, I encourage you to, to take a moment in prayer. To, to really allow God to examine your heart, to really see in what ways you can grow more, in what ways you can serve better, in what ways your attitude can change. Because when it comes down to it, remember the last words of Jesus were not a hope. <laughs> the, the last words of Jesus, this great command, it wasn't just a, I really hope you disciples go make disciples of all the nations. It wasn't the great expectation it was the, the great commandment. It was a commission. It was a, a command of God. The last words of Jesus on this earth were a command. Are you ready to follow through with them each and every single day? Because that's, that's what he's called us to. It's not always easy. The reward isn't always going to come immediately, but it will come. You just have to be willing to give some time over to him, to work through the pain, to persevere. Because remember, Christ has overcome. Christ has all the power, all the authority. What in the world do we have to fear? Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you this evening, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord. I thank you that... He led by example what it means to have a changed behavior, what it means to live intently for you, what it means to not just put on a show for Sunday or, or a Monday, Lord, but to, to live it out every single day. God, I pray that as, as disciples, Lord, you would continue to grow us guard us, guide us, and keep us in the way that we're supposed to go, that we would uh, empty ourselves so that you could use us to the fullest of your uh, potential, Lord. That we would uh, set aside our selfish ambitions and focus on you. That we would see that wherever we go in this life, wherever we end up, Lord, you are always with us and we have nothing to fear. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray that you would continue to, uh, as Jacob said, Lord, give us the, the harvesters. Give us those people who are ready to serve in your kingdom. Lord, may we be faithful servants to, to reach out to this community of Baltimore. I pray a blessing upon this community that we would be able to reach them in more powerful ways, that we would truly shine your light. We would be that city on a hill, Lord, that shows them how powerful you are how wonderful you are, how much you love them, Lord. May we be those reconcilers today. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.